Good morning. I'm Kenny Longo, one of the pastors here at Grace. Happy New Year. Hope you had a good Christmas. We just got back from a, a week in Oregon where we spent the holidays with my wife's family. The Lord blessed us with nine inches of snow in Eugene, which was really a special treat. Leah was really wanting a white Christmas, and she, it, it came Christmas night, night so she sort of got it. But anyway, we, uh, it's good to be home. It's good to be home as well. So um, today we're going to talk about, I entitled the message, God is on the move. And we're going to take our eyes away from the three V's, the virus, the variant, and the vaccines, and everything else that is, if you turn on the news that you're going to see, and we're going to lift our eyes to what God is doing in the world, because he's still at work, very much so, and calling us to join him in that work. For example, I've got some statistics here, if I can, there we go. Did you know that there are close to a million believers in the Islamic Republic of Iran? That Iran is one of the countries where the church is growing the most. Um, there are 3.7 times as many Protestants in Africa as in North America, and that gap grows dramatically every year. And in China, it's estimated that 10,000 people per day are becoming followers of Christ, and by 2030, China will have more Christians than any other country on the earth. That's amazing. God is, God is at work. And we, as the church, we want to, you know, um, yeah, we just don't want to lose sight of that. It's been a very distracting time. These, two, these past couple of years, we've been distracted from what God's calling us to do. So we're just going to revisit some things you already know uh, as a way to launch us into 2022. Uh, but let me uh, pray for us first. God, you are on the move. Jesus, you said my Father is always working, and I am working as well. So, Lord, um, we have had our eyes on many things uh, besides you. These, these couple of years, but uh, as we enter this new year, we want to remember what you're doing, and we want to be a church that joins you as you build your kingdom. So Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts today through scripture, through the stories, and our time together. Pray in your name. Amen. So we're going to look at a couple of scripture today, and then I have a couple of friends that are going to share stories that I think will really encourage you that illustrate that God is on the move. Well, first, let's start with um, Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 to 10. Now, let's remember the context for Revelation was Jesus gave a revelation to the Apostle John about what was to come, what would happen at the end of the age. So we just celebrated Jesus' first coming at Christmas, but we all know he's coming again to establish his everlasting kingdom, and we are going to reign with him forever. And so Jesus is giving John a picture of what's going to happen at the end of the age. And this is one of the things that we're going to see when Jesus comes back. We read in Revelation 7, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count, from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands. And they cry out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. So one, what we see at the end of the age is that there will be people from every tribe, language, nation, and tongue. Now that word nation 
We've talked about that before. It doesn't mean political country. It means a people group, a people, a group of people that have the same language, same culture. They identify as a people, like the Wano. We're all very familiar with the Wano people. Uh, the Wano people live in Indonesia, but Indonesia has over 700 people groups with their own language and culture. And if we're going to share the gospel, we can't just share the gospel with Indonesians. We have to go to these sub these people groups and that's just what tim and rebecca have done 15 years ago with their girls they went to the wano they uh, learned the language translated the bible into their language they're still working with the wano so what we see in this verse is um every people group is going to worship jesus washed in his blood that's what the white robes are about there will be people from every people group worshiping jesus at the end of the age but is that the case today? Are there people from every people group worshiping Jesus? Well, we know they're not. And here's another graph, graphic. If I can pull it up. Oh, Adam. Is Adam here? There we go. Thank you. All right, this is a graph. You can't see it really well, but it's put out by the Joshua Project. The circle represents all the people groups in the world, and they estimate that there's over 17,000 of them. Now, the green are the groups where the gospel has gone to them, but the red are the unreached people groups. That means there's so few believers in that group that there's no way that everybody could hear the gospel in that people group. Many of those people groups have no gospel witness. They don't have the scriptures in their language. No one has ever gone to them to tell them the good news of, the, of Jesus Christ saving them from their sins. So, and there's... They estimate there's over 7,000 of those unreached people groups. Well, how are those people in those 7,000 people groups ever going to hear the gospel unless somebody goes to them? And that's why we have missionaries. That's why we send people to uh, the Wano and Central Asia and Brazil and Mexico. And we know that as a church that we need to be sending people uh, to those unreached people groups. The task is not done. Our mandate from Christ, we see in Mark 24, 14. There we go. This is what Jesus said to his disciples. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. There's that word again, ethne, like the wano. And then the end will come. And then Jesus, we usher in Jesus' is coming. So are you tired of this world? Do you want Jesus to come tomorrow? Well, then we need to get to work because he's not coming until we get the gospel to all the nations. And we have a lot of work to do as a church. And as a church, this is what we want to be about. Not only we want to reach people here in Lynchburg, but we also want to be reaching people with the gospel who have never had a chance to hear it. And um, so we wanna, that's what we want to get our eyes off the three V's. Remember what God's doing. He, he is building his church worldwide. It's very exciting. And that's what we're going to be about in the year to come. So to encourage our hearts to hear how God is at work in the world, I asked Otto to come up. You know, Otto and Joanna have served in Central Asia for over 20 years. And Otto works in Central Asia, and he, he's got a story that I think will bless your heart. So Otto. Can I use it. this one? Yep. Great. Jacob and Mary are passionate about the Uyghur people, a people group. They served for many years in Xinjiang in northwest China, 
and then they move to our country. They've been in our country about 11 years. They live in a rural area, in a rural vi village. We have approximately, at a minimum, 250,000 Uyghur that live in our country. Some believe many, many more. So they've been laboring there. Jacob uh, established a fruit orchard. He grows trees and he produces fruit, which are sold in, in the local area. And he employs Uyghur farmers in that, in that setting. So these guys live out Jesus. They speak of him to neighbors, to friends, to co-workers, constantly sharing as, as people will hear and listen. During the pandemic, a young man, Jim, texts Mary on Easter Sunday morning. And the text says, Happy Easter. He had tutored their children. They have three children. He had tutored their children the, the year before. And he's also learned English, and he speaks English quite well. And so wanting to just encourage Jacob and Mary, he sends this text. Mary's sensing that he doesn't really understand what Easter is all about and was prompted to respond. And, and so a text dialogue, a text chain ensued. And after a couple of weeks of texting back and forth, Mary was able to really explain the whole gospel, explain what Easter is all about. God so loved the world that he sent his son. Jesus died on a cross for you, Jim, for your salvation. Jim, his interest was piqued, and he began to look at and watch all kinds of YouTube videos of believers from Muslim background who have also come to faith. And as he did this, God spoke to him one night, culminating in a dream. God spoke to him very distinctly and invited him to trust Jesus and to believe Jesus. And so on his own, he did that. And then quickly later, he shared with Jacob and Mary the decision he, has made, he had made. And this is what he said. This is what he said over and over. He said, Islam is full of fear. Jesus is kindness and love. God so loved. Not long after, he began to share with his friend Russ. And he shared and he shared and he shared. And they would watch videos together and they began to read the word together because by this time, Jim is reading the word with Jacob and Jacob has begun to nurture him and disciple him and, and train him. And within months, Russ too, Russ even said to Jim, literally, you've worn me down. You've answered all my questions. I too trust Jesus. I believe. So now there are two. First fruits in a village, in an environment, in a community where there are few, if any, believers that we know of. This past summer, to kind of put the, the crown on the on the story, this past summer, Jim came to Jacob and said, I want to be baptized. And so Jacob invited a believer from the city where I live to come out, and together this believer and Jacob baptized Jim in a river there uh, near their village. And Russ was present, and Russ witnessed this and saw his friend take this step. And this is what, so Jim comes up out of the water just beaming. He's so alive, and he says, this is the day of my new life. I was once dead, 
and now I'm alive. So God is on the move, Kenny, yes. Just within our organization, in our area, in the last two years, God has brought, built two new teams. So now we have three Pioneers teams working amongst the Uyghur in our country. And we sense, we believe, we're trusting, we're expecting that God wants to do something really good. He wants to reap a harvest. He wants to establish his church among this people group that is still very, very unreached where we live. Thanks, Otto. Okay, so now my friend Josh, Joshua Rolf is going to come up. Josh and his wife live here in Lynchburg. They work with an organization called Launch Global. Launch Global is all about recruiting, training workers to go out to the harvest. Josh is also a perspective speaker. And if you saw in your bulletin today, we're going to offer perspectives again in a couple of weeks. Many of you have taken perspectives. We do it at Grace about every couple of years. I took it in 1992. If you haven't taken perspectives, I really urge you to consider doing it. Josh will make a pitch for it as well. Uh, but anyway, Josh is going to share a couple stories again that will bless your heart as well. So welcome, Josh. And that's our friend Chris. Chris. Chris and Josh will be in the lobby after the service to talk to you more about perspectives if you'd like more information. Oh, man, it is so good to be here with you guys. Uh, good morning. Uh, I'm going to say that again. Good morning. Hey, Otto, thank you for sharing that story. That was incredible. Uh, I, I love hearing about ways that God is moving globally. But I, mean, I got some really great news. God's moving here in our city as well. Uh, there's a group of people uh, here in Lynchburg that are training and have been training since August to go be long-term workers in different places around the world among the unreached. And there's about 10 of them, and they all moved into an apartment community here in Lynchburg where quite a few people in that apartment complex have moved from other countries, refugees, a diaspora-type population. Well, they're going through a nine-month training cohort to prepare them to deal with the challenges of missionary life, if you will. And as they're going through this cohort, they, they learn all kinds of different things, how to raise your support, how to, how to pray sacrificially and radically, how to share the gospel with a Muslim or a Buddhist or a Hindu. Uh, in essence, preparing them with the tools that they need to be equipped to be successful in their work as long-term workers. Well, they began training in August, and somewhere in the midst of that, the, the group leader said, hey, let's... Let's pray somehow, some way, that here in Lynchburg, we might see a Muslim come to faith over the course of this year. And so they began praying. And when I say they began praying, what I mean is every morning at 6 in the morning, sometimes 5 in the morning, they would gather together in an apartment for an hour. And together they would collectively pray, Lord Jesus, might we see a Muslim come to faith here in Lynchburg sometime in the next nine months. Well, one of the members of the group said, I was praying and I just think that we're supposed to ask the Lord that a Muslim would come to faith in the month of September. Now, man, if for those of you that have lived here in Lynchburg, I've been here for three years, I don't necessarily bump into 
uh, Muslims every day. <laughs> it's just not a common occurrence. I mean, the Lord has been gracious to bring us a number of internationals here to our city, and that's a gracious gift. Uh, but it's just, I wouldn't say that I'm, I'm running into folks every day. So to pray bold prayer like in the month of September is a, is a bold thing. And they prayed. They got up early and daily. They prayed for an hour. Lord, would you bring a Muslim to faith in the month of September? And they prayed that through the month of August. And they prayed that into September. And while they ran into a number of people to share the gospel with, uh, they didn't get to see anybody come to faith in September. And then October came and they continued to pray. We're going to continue to pray. We're going to continue to pray. And November came and when they continued to pray. And finally December arrived. And the leader of the group, I'm not going to say his real name. We'll call him John for the sake of, of our story. John walked out of his apartment and across from him, literally the door across from him in his apartment complex, a guy walks out and, and he's an international guy. And, and John ends up striking up a conversation with him. Finds out that, that he had grown up in a Muslim household. And this guy looks at John and says to him, hey, you're a Christian, right? Which totally caught John off guard. And he said, yes, I am. And he goes, oh, that's wonderful. My, my wife is a follower of Jesus. In fact, she just recently became a believer, and she's been sharing with me the scriptures, going through the scriptures regularly and daily with me. He said, in fact, I recently too became a follower of Jesus. And John's just sitting there going, man, this is amazing. What, what are the odds here in our apartment complex that, that this would have happened? Here's this guy, just his wife led him to the Lord. And as they began to talk, he goes, oh, you know, I... I'm, I'm a recent believer, he said. In fact, it all happened in the month of September. <laughs> I mean, yeah, come on, right? That's amazing. That is praiseworthy. Who would have known, right? Just through the sacrificial and rigorous prayers, these bold prayers, that God is moving even when we don't see. Even when we don't see. You know, we're, we're all called to participate in the mission of God. That's something that we're all called to do. Whether we're a plumber or a postman, whether we are a lawyer or a professor, we're all called to participate in God's mission. And, and in doing so, we, we do so in different ways. I remember I first began to participate in God's mission after I went through a perspectives class uh, at California Baptist University years ago. And man, it just infused something in me. And then I started going on trips and started serving in the city and, and God began to do just some neat things in me. But I, I've noticed over the course of that time that, that in our lives we have this, we almost have this, this idea that's like our missions vision bucket. All right? I'm going to put it up here on this box so you guys can see. All right? Every one of us has this missions vision bucket. We're all called to participate in God's mission. Just like Kenny shared with us out of the scriptures a few moments ago, right? We, we're all called to participate in God's mission in some way, shape, and form. And, and as we do, we, we do things like, you know, we'll go on a trip to Cyprus. And in going on this trip to Cyprus, we fill our missions bucket, right? And, and that trip just inspires us. Right? And it's, and it's incredible. And, 
And some of us will, will participate in foster care, right? My wife and I recently just became foster parents four months ago, and that's been incredible. And it is just, it's like it's filled our, our missions, our vision bucket, if you will. And we'll do things like we'll start prayer walking in our neighborhood and in our community. And that is just a real powerful thing that allows us to, to fill our, our missions vision bucket, right? And we do all these different activities that help us to fill our, our vision bucket. But the, the problem with, with all those activities is that because of sin and selfishness, our vision bucket has a natural leak. <laughs> There's a natural leak in it. You can go to Cyprus and years go by and that, that vision for the nations just leaks out of us. And it does so naturally because of sin and because of selfishness. And, and here's the thing, we can't plug that at all. You can't just commit to never sin again in your life, right? It's going to happen. We know that, right? But what we can do is we can continuously fill our mission's vision bucket. Now, in my experience, nothing has filled the vision bucket quite like perspectives. I got a massive one here, right? Some of you guys, you've taken perspectives, right? And, and it's filled your vision bucket. And, and then you've gone back and you've taken it again. And it's filled it even more. Nothing in my experience as a follower of Jesus has filled my mission's vision bucket quite like Perspectives has. It's filled it fuller and it's filled it longer and it's sustained my passion, my intimacy, and my vision for Jesus. And not just for Jesus, but for the very thing that's at the core of his heart. What he said earlier in, you guys, you guys saw the Bible verse up on the screen, Matthew 24, 14, right? Where it says, and, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed as a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come, right? And then the end will come. We're all to participate in that, in the gospel of the kingdom going forward into all nations. But to understand how we might incorporate that into our daily lives of prayer, of giving, of, of reprioritizing our time, it's helpful to go through experiences with other believers where we collectively hold each other accountable to that, push each other, encourage each other, and learn continuously about God's mission, filling our mission's vision bucket. I want to encourage each of you, as you think over the course of 2022, and you think about how am I going to live and fulfill God's mission this year? How am I going to live and fulfill God's mission in my kids' lives, in, in my life, in, in 2023 and beyond? How am I going to do that? I want to encourage you, whether you've gone through perspectives before or, or you haven't, to consider cutting something out of your life this year so that you might be able to prioritize and go through the perspectives class here in this city. Your church has been an anchor church for this incredible experience for the past few years. And I, I can tell you there is just nothing better that will more accelerate your vision and your passion for Jesus and his mission than going through the class. It's 15 weeks. It, there's a small cost to it. 
that is insignificant in the grand scheme of things because we'll find a way to help you go through it. Uh, and there are 15 different instructors that will come in and, and speak to this experience. I hope that you'll consider it. I hope that it'll be something that you might prioritize this coming year. Begins here in late January, and uh, it will fill your mission's vision bucket more than any single thing I think that you can do over the course of this next year. Thank you. Good job, Josh. Hold on, Josh. You're going to pray. Hold on. So, um, yeah, thanks, Josh. That was great. Um, if you, so perspective starts in two weeks. Um, Josh and Chris will be out in the lobby if you want to talk to them more about that. And um, I've asked Josh to pray for us as a body uh, that we will be about God's purposes this year um, as he works to draw all peoples to himself. We want to be about what God's doing, and he is actively at work. So, Josh, would you pray for us as a body this year that God will launch us into his purposes? Oh, Lord Jesus, I thank you for grace. I thank you for all of the saints that fill this room. God, there is a powerful witness in the midst of this body. I pray that it would increase in power and boldness mm -hmm. and that your presence would be here. Lord, for each and every person in this room, myself included, help us to know how to sacrifice more this year so that your mission might be fulfilled, your kingdom might come here on earth as it is in heaven, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, I pray that there would be folks within this body who would just raise their hand and say, I want to come alongside Otto and his family and support them more boldly with my financial giving and my prayers, who would, who would raise their hands and say, I want to go be a long-term worker and, mm -hmm. and step forward into the nations, mm -hmm. who would say, I, I think I want to carve out space in my family to foster and be a foster parent who would not let an international person walk by them without welcoming them and, and giving a gospel witness and testimony to them. Lord, would you do immeasurably more through the body here in this coming Amen. year and unleash this church for your mission, Amen. Lord. And I, for those who haven't been through perspectives, I just pray, Lord, that you just weigh in on their spirits and their hearts right now and help them to find a way to carve time out to be a part of this experience. And not, not to do so alone, to bring somebody with them, Lord. Uh, Lord, be it through perspectives or be it through other means, I just pray that you would fulfill in powerful and mighty ways your mission through grace in the coming year. And we pray all of this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Josh.